The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, everyone. I'm Haley Hubbard, mom to three kids and wife to a touring artist. And I'm Jessica Diamond, a registered dietitian nutritionist with a master's in public health. And this is Meaningful Living. Every week, we're breaking down the overwhelming amount of parenting, nutrition, and lifestyle information into credible knowledge and simple tools. The Cliff Notes Guide to Feeling Confident in Your Everyday Choices. It takes a village. We're so excited to share ours with you. Welcome back to Meaningful Living Podcast. I'm Haley Hubbard here with my co-host, Jess Diamond. We are thrilled to have Allison Latona as today's guest. She is a mom to two teens, a psychotherapist, marriage and family therapist, and a parenting coach and educator with over 25 years of experience. She runs parenting groups, has her own private practice, is the co-author of Twigtail Books, which are customizable stories that help prepare your kids for big transitions and has helped thousands of parents for over two decades. Allison started helping me with Bryce when he was only eight weeks old, and she's just an all-around parenting guru with tons of insight. Today, we're talking to her about managing sibling dynamics, you know, the sweet and not-so-sweet moments. She's answering the questions we all have. How do we prepare our kids for a new sibling? How do we foster that good relationship between our kids so they grow up to be close with one another? And what do we do when they fight? We learned so, so much from her and know you will too. And while listening to this episode, if you enjoy it and find it helpful, we'd love if you'd share it to your Instagram stories and tag us or tell a friend because we want to share this knowledge with everyone that we can. You can also leave a review or DM us with any topic suggestions you have. We always want to hear from you. It takes a village and you all are helping us build such a great community of parents and caregivers. Now let's hear from Allison Latona. Allison, first of all, we are so excited to have you here. I have such a special bond with you. Bryce has a special bond with you. And you've just helped me navigate everything with Bryce since I can't believe it. He was eight weeks old. So I've known you for a while. And I just know the knowledge you're going to be able to share is going to help so many of our listeners. I am just so excited to be here. Well, we are so grateful to have you. So today we're really wanting to focus on sibling and sibling rivalry. You know, when we all have more than one kid, I think we all dream of this relationship that our kids are going to have. And so we all have the same question, which is how do you cultivate that relationship, but also the inevitable conflicts that come up? How do you actually navigate them? So we kind of want to start at the beginning here of bringing Mm -hmm. home a new baby, because I think that maybe might be the first time we really set that tone Mm -hmm. or actually pregnancy. Let's start with pregnancy (laughs) because when do you tell your kid, you know, that you're having another kid? How do you set up that relationship? What are some tips for bringing home a new baby and telling your kid that you're having another kid? Yeah. So how you handle, you know, the news and how you kind of prepare for having another baby definitely impacts the relationship. And so you have an opportunity to set it up well from the start. It really does depend on the age and developmental readiness of your child as to when you tell them. So if you have a child, if your older child is under two, then it's going to be very different than if they're over two. Um, And the reason for that is because when children are under two, they don't really have a concept of time and they don't have the ability to kind of envision the, the future or what life would look like. So if they're under two, basically you're going to 
give it some time before you're talking about it, first of all, and giving your older child like opportunities to be around other babies is kind of a nice way to like introduce them to life with a younger child. If you have friends or family that have younger babies around, that can be a good opportunity. But in terms of the conversation with a child under the age of two, it's very brief um, and simple and concrete. And the most important piece is to focus on kind of like what's going to stay the same, which is your relationship with your older child. Uh, Because really like kids are egocentric and that's really what they care about most is what's going to happen to me. So, you know, we might say something like, we're going to have another baby. You're going to be a big brother or a big sister. And we're going to still have lots of time to go to the park and play trucks and play dollies. And, and that's about it. As far as the conversation, usually I would say if they're under two, you're waiting optimally into the, you know, second trimester even, you know, even closer to the third, obviously your growing tummy is going to give opportunity to have conversation for some, they're going to notice that and that, that will lend itself to more conversation. But whenever you're talking about it, it's brief, simple, concrete with reassurance about, you know, what's going to stay the same, which is your relationship with your older child. Once they're, you know, certainly exposing like the things that you're doing to get ready for the baby, like washing clothes and toys and setting things up, definitely letting your older child be a part of that is a way to introduce them in a positive way versus like, no, no, that's for the baby. We're doing more like, oh, look, yes, you, you, you slept in one of those, or you used to ride in this kind of car seat and let them climb in, let them, you know, like, With your first baby, it's like you wouldn't let anyone touch any of the clothes that you had washed. But with your second, it's sort of like just let your older toddler immerse themselves in all the new equipment that you're pulling out or toys or presents or things like that. Um, Because that involvement is really, really key in setting them up for having a positive relationship. Before we get to that, let's take a minute to talk about KiwiCo, a sponsor of today's show. We talk with Allison today about how important it is to get our kids playing with each other to foster a positive sibling relationship while also keeping them busy and stimulated so we can take a minute, you know, respond to an email, do the dishes, or make dinner without them fighting or throwing a fit. Sometimes finding those activities and getting them set up is too much of a hassle that we just don't do it and we give them a toy that holds their attention for all of a minute or constantly resort to screen time. KiwiCo is here to solve this problem. They make pre-planned projects that come with everything you need to set your kid up in an activity that will hold their attention and promote learning. With the KiwiCo subscription, you get these pre-planned projects delivered right to your door each month that are simple yet fun and foolproof to execute. You just open the box and go. By the end of the day, we're so drained and just want something planned out and easy to do with our kids. And KiwiCo has been that for us. It's such a nice alternative to screen time and a stress-free way for Liv and Luca to actually play together. If you've seen my Instagram stories a couple weeks ago, you saw Dr. Liv in action after a night Tyler and I had a little too much to drink. Shortly after that, we received the doctor visit crate and Liv has been playing doctor with Luca. She decorated her own medical bag and uses the doctor checklist to give Luca a medical exam. It is 
so cute, and has allowed them to explore their imagination together. If you need a break and just want an activity to keep your kids occupied that will also help them learn about science and art, KiwiCo is what you need. With KiwiCo, there's something for every kid or kid at heart every month. Get your first month free on select crates at kiwico.com slash living. That's K-I-W-I-C-O dot com slash living. Now let's get back to Allison. So Haley, do you remember that moment of telling Liv about Luca or Atlas? I do. I, Olivia was probably one when we got pregnant with Luca and we just kept pointing to my belly and, and saying, baby, baby. And so then she would kind of pick up on it and, and she'd start saying baby. But that was when she was really just saying like one or two words. So <laughs> it, was, it was just so much more of a cute thing. But I do remember reading a book, Hello in there. Have you heard of that? No, I haven't. It was a cute book about like being a big sister and it, it showed the belly growing and, and the big sister, like, I can't wait for you to come out. And so that was, that was the book that we just read to her every day. Our nanny got it for us and, and it was like her favorite book. And so I, I think it visually helped her understand it a little bit, but I mean, I really didn't know what else to do at that point. Well, she was so little. The most important thing, honestly, too, is for the older child to feel as though you have made a plan for their support and meaning that family is going to be there for them. Loved ones are going to be there for them. You know, their beloved nanny or whoever is going to be there for them when you go embark on, on delivery. That's actually something you always say that I love, which is keeping things simple, concrete, but also focusing for them, showing them that you know what's concrete and what stays to give them a plan when they're coming in because they totally feed off of your energy. Absolutely. Uh, Whenever we're talking about major transitions with kids, what helps them the most is to tell a story, speaking briefly about what's changing, but then focusing on what is going to stay the same. Um, Because children's primary need is to feel safe and secure, and you are that safety and security for them. So, you know, reassuring them that you're going to still be there, that they're going to still be enough love for them, love, attention, appreciation. That's what every child needs to feel. And that in and of itself, and I know we're going to get to this later, is what really fosters a positive sibling relationship is when each child feels as though they are going to get that attention, love, and appreciation that each human being needs. And when that is assured, then that's going to make a child more generous in their in spirit uh, toward a sibling. Totally. And there's something that you've recommended that I think is so smart or just like a couple small things you can do when the baby actually comes home. So you talk about not having the mom carry the baby like into the house or having your kid, the older kid, buy the new sibling a gift and give it to them. Can you talk about a couple of those tips that are just so simple that I think can really change that relationship? Sure. Well, starting with like the hospital visit, I know we're in COVID time, so that may not be so relevant at the moment for some families, but many times families are able to have their older child come visit when you're still in the hospital. And if that is happening, I I definitely recommend that 
number one, your older child be with someone who can really tend to their needs and make that hospital visit very short and brief with a plan afterwards. So like, you know, they're going to go to the park afterwards. Oh, we're going to say hi to mommy and your new sister. And then we're going to go to the park or then we're going to go get ice cream. So there's something to do because hospitals can be kind of strange for a young child. So we want to make it brief. And then like, it's valuable to, for mom to not be holding the baby when the older child enters because they're, they're expecting to see the same old mom. And so to see the same old mom with a new baby in their arms is, you know, disconcerting to say the least. I love this idea. They'll put like a little picture of the older child, tape it inside the uh, clear bassinet. So then when your older child walks in, it's like, oh, look, we've already been introducing you to your baby. Yeah. And then welcoming the older child to, you know, touch their feet or, you know, like look at, you know, their body parts, their arms and look at their little ears and, you know, really involving them as much as you can in that visit. And then having your older child Think of something that they'd like to bring to the hospital, like a flower or a picture that they'd like to tape up on the wall um, can be a nice idea to, again, evolve that your older child, as well as the baby having gotten their older sibling a gift. I always tell parents to make it like a, a cool gift that will keep them busy for three days, um, you know, while you're in the hospital, like, you know, a, you know, a scooter or, you know, my son was very into dirt and like building in the dirt. And so we got him a wheelbarrow. And so like he was busy in the day with that wheelbarrow while I was away, keeping the anchors of your older child's routine intact is really helpful in them feeling safe and secure. Sometimes people think, oh, let them stay up. I mean, mom's gone and this is hard, but actually that doesn't necessarily provide for as much uh, security as they get with the anchors of their routine being consistent. That's a really good reminder. I mean, even just in general, like that they need that stability and security with their routine and schedules to feel Mm -hmm. safe. And I think that it's so natural that you're so excited for your kid to meet the baby that you may drag on that hospital visit or you just might want them to be there. But just knowing in your head that it's best for them to just keep it brief, concrete and have something for them to look forward to is great. I have a follow-up because I think you know, sometimes it's the whole pregnancy, they're excited for a new sibling and and that excitement shows, but a lot of times there's some aggression that comes up, right? Like hitting mm-hmm. mommy's belly or mm-hmm. this fear of what's going to happen to me coming out kind of sideways. So what do you do if your kid says like, I don't want a baby, you know, I don't want a sibling or mm-hmm. I don't want mommy to be pregnant? Mm-hmm. Yes, that is so true. And you especially should expect that toward the tail end of the pregnancy, like the last half of the third trimester, as you're getting bigger and less mobile and more wanting to just be sitting down all the time. That really triggers clinginess in your child and can be aggression as well because they're looking for that same mom and you're you're changing and and they feel that difference and they can feel it even earlier on than that for sure they're so attuned to our emotional state we're going to meet them where they are emotionally so connect with the emotion and just saying something like 
you don't like it or you're wanting mommy to move or whatever it is in the moment that we think that they're expressing with their hit or their push or whatever. And your kids need those limits to stay intact in the midst. Like, you know, again, some parents might feel like, oh gosh, I feel so bad that, I, that he knows, you know, that things are changing. And so we might be softer on a limit because of that, but that isn't in their best interest because they're looking for that boundary. They want to know, and this is a big part of like when the baby comes home and they start to poke and prod at the baby. A lot of parents interpret that as jealousy, but some of it is just trying to figure out who this new being is, number one. And number two is are the rules in the family still the same? Are you going to still stop me mm-hmm. when I test here, when I test there? They need to feel that that boundary is intact. Since you said that about the aggression, I guess I kind of forgot that about mm-hmm. Olivia would hit my belly and she could feel it. It was totally, mm-hmm. I could sense that she sensed it. And mm-hmm. it was only sometimes, but it was it was pretty aggressive hit. And I was like, wow. Yes. Wow. Yes. That kind of hurt me. Yes. Uh, and I think I would just say like gentle, gentle, but I like that you you created that boundary. It was a firm boundary instead of being like gentle, gentle, because I don't know, maybe gentle doesn't create a, a whole boundary. Yeah. I also think that there's like this natural inclination. You so badly want your kids to have a good relationship and you want your kid to be excited about a new kid coming. So I think there are these feelings that bubble up when your kid hits your belly. You want to be like, no, you're going to love your brother or sister. Like you're going to dismiss that because you so badly want them to have this positive relationship, but then we're just not seeing them or meeting them where they are or addressing that concern. Right. Exactly. Let's take a break to talk about Nutrafol. I've talked a lot about my hair shedding postpartum and after having babies back to back, I felt like my hair was never going to be the same and that my little annoying baby hairs weren't going to ever grow out. So when Nutrafol reached out to sponsor the show with their new postpartum supplement, I was so excited. Nutrafol has created the product us postpartum women have been needing for a long time. It's designed specifically to help our hair postpartum. For me, postpartum was such a blur and I remember waking up one day being like, what happened to my hair? We talk about this a lot, but postpartum changes aren't talked about enough. And as a result, we aren't prepared for the emotional and physical challenges of it, including the toll it takes on our hair. More than 50% of women experience excessive shedding naturally within three to four months of giving birth. Before I found Nutrafol, I tried so many remedies that didn't work. Nutrafol targets the root causes of postpartum hair shedding, like the physical stress of childbirth, emotional stress of parenting, and the nutrient depletion of postpartum. It's OBGYN developed, fills the nutritional gaps, and it's compatible with postnatals and multivitamins so you can start it right away after birth. Postpartum life can be surprising and overwhelming to say the least, but you can take one thing off your list of things to worry about by going to Nutrafol.com and using the promo code LIVING to save $15 off your first month subscription. This is their best offer anywhere and it's only available to US customers for a limited time. Plus, you get free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code LIVING. So just to fast forward just a little bit, I have three kids, obviously. We've talked about that. But I want them to grow up having a great and close relationship with one another. But I don't know exactly how to navigate that just day to day. Can you just explain what is sibling rivalry and how it starts and then how we can prevent it as parents. Mm -hmm. So sibling rivalry is 
you know, obviously as parents, our view of bringing a new baby into our older child's life is that we're bringing them the ultimate gift. But for our older child and their perspective or their view, there is anxiety there around not getting their love or needs met. And so it's sort of like this primal worry that an older child has when you bring home another baby. And so I would say all siblings have a level of rivalry just by nature of that primal worry that my needs aren't going to be met, at least initially. So it's not about like eliminating it completely. It's sort of understanding that it is part of the nature of them learning how to share attention and share power and share space. And that's tricky for adult, you know, partners, right? And so imagine these little, you know, one and two and three-year-olds having to figure out, you know, how to share all of those very important things that are needs for them. The way that we minimize sibling rivalry is number one, first and foremost, is your relationship with each child. When you lay the foundation of really continuing to foster each relationship individually with each of your kids, that itself is going to help offset any like sibling rivalry for being like the dominant factor because sibling love is just as natural as sibling rivalry. And I think parents have a lot to do with having the uh, sibling love win out. Of course, like you said, Haley, the day-to-day, it, it, it's challenging because you're navigating their interactions and their negotiations and their struggle and trying to make themselves heard and be listened to and all of that on the day-to-day, it can feel like you're getting nowhere. But it's those moments of like tenderness that you'll find between the two, like, you know, two or three of them that are golden. And I think parents need to focus more on how to get their kids to initiate play And rather than how to stop fighting, because conflict is part of relationship. And we have to think of it like the sibling relationship is this intimate relationship in that they spend so much time with each other. And so there's this emotional and physical intimacy to the sibling relationship. You've heard it before. You've probably seen it before that a child, you know, will scratch their sibling, hit their sibling, but not do that to their friends because it's this safe relationship. Therefore, there is the most most intensity in the relationship. You know, obviously our kids have those sweet and tender moments like we were talking about and like you were saying, but of course our kids fight and get jealous over a toy or have little tiffs. And then we have to referee those moments sometimes or, mm-hmm. or maybe we shouldn't. But do you have any words or, or phrases that you might say so that our kids don't feel like we're taking a side or playing favorites in mm-hmm. those moments? The general rule of thumb is for sure when you have a child under the age of three, that refereeing needs to happen that, or I would say coaching needs to happen because the younger child, you know, can't necessarily keep themselves safe. So the older the kids, the more you can let them figure it out, so to speak. The old school thinking was, you know, don't intervene unless there's blood. You've probably heard that. And the reason that that was the idea is that the fighting 
is for attention, for the parent to come in and intervene. So if you're intervening, you are reinforcing the conflict. But what those siblings who didn't get protected, grew up and reported was that they didn't feel protected. Obviously, if there's some sort of hitting going on, the first thing you're going to do is stop the aggressor's body respectfully. You know, you're going to put your hand there, you're going to hold their wrist or whatever, and then optimally put your attention on the victim, so to speak. So this is called the victim-centered approach. Put your attention on the victim, which is not intuitive. What's intuitive is to keep your attention on the aggressor. So we want to put our attention on the victim and empathize with the victim. Oh, your brother hit you. You didn't like that. I can see that hurt. So we're going to uh, say what we see and acknowledge what um, is going on with the victim. And by doing that, you're modeling empathy for the aggressor. And then in addition, you're giving the positive attention to the victim so that if your child, the aggressor's behavior is attention getting, they're not getting attention for it, which helps to extinguish the behavior. Then you turn to your older child or sorry, I'm sorry. That was a, uh, you know, it's not always the older child. (laughs) You turn to the aggressor and you, the first thing you do is point out the social cues of the other. Do you see your sister? She's crying. She didn't like that. Hitting hurts. So focus on the social cues because that plus you modeling empathy is going to help your child tap into their own sense of empathy, hopefully over time. And then we can state the rule. Hitting is not okay. And then what can he do instead? You know, you have words to tell your sister what you need. You know, so that's kind of the balanced approach where you're tending to both. Sometimes, you know, you the conflict is, you know, crazy and loud and you're in the kitchen and you didn't really see what went on. So you come in and you say like, whoa, 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 I can see the two of you need to make a plan or I can see you two are in a pickle or I might say both of you stop it. Um, sometimes as they're older, they'll say, he started it. Okay, well, somebody continued it. <laughs> um, so it's it's really understanding, and you'll see this the older your kids get, is that they're part of a dynamic. And even though it appears that it's the aggressor or the initiator who's always making things challenging, often the one who is less assertive has a part in the dynamic and it's a little bit, it's more unseen, it's more subtle. And so we often don't tend to that as much, but we really want to kind of give them both an assignment. So like, for example, my son would be in my daughter's face and she would scream. And so he would keep going in her face and she would scream more. So in that instance, it's sort of like, whoa, 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 guys. Tyler, do you hear her talking to you? She's yelling. Do you see her face? She's not liking that. You know, so his job is to listen to her. And for her, her job is to speak up and stop screaming. So like, you can tell Tyler, stop. You can tell him, no. You can say, go. You can move away. So it's empowering the child who is less assertive to use their words, to stand up for themselves, to hold their ground and empowering the aggressor or initiator to stop and think, which is the opposite of impulsivity, stop and think and notice how they're impacting the other. 
Mm-hmm. So you're working with both of them. And that really helps to equalize in the relationship and not feel one-sided. It feels like it's so much about narration and just like help giving them the skills that they don't naturally have, which I feel like we talk so much in parenting about that. Absolutely. It really does take a lot of practice on the parent's part to know when to intervene, to know how to intervene. It takes a lot of practice on these kids' part. And I always tell parents like, This is a long road. This isn't like you get this down when they're, you know, two and three or four and then you're done. Like, you know, they're fighting when they're eight and 10 and 10 and 12. And even adult siblings, I think offsetting some of that conflict with doing positive things with your kids and framing it like, oh, we're going to have sibling day today. You know, those kinds of things really help to offset some of the challenging times where they're in conflict. And I like what you said about just highlighting the positive moments because our our kids do have these sweet moments where they're all they all kind of just like snuggle each other and I'm like that is the sweetest thing ever, and then like an hour later they're hitting each other and yeah, but just recognizing that and and praising it. I need to remember to do that more. Yes, catching the kids being good, so to speak, is like always really helpful in getting more of that. So how that was really kind with your sibling or your sister. That was so helpful. You were so thoughtful. Like thinking of character traits that are positive that you want to reinforce in your child and noticing when they do those things rather than only noticing when they're not. I love how you like to say behavior is communication. Mm -hmm. And right now, on the weekends, I'll put on a movie for Liv and she's our oldest just while I cook. And then Luca, our second, will come up to her and bite her or that's his new thing right now. And it's like, he's so excited. He wants to bite and, or he'll just bug her and pester her just to get her attention. What is that behavior? Like, what does that mean? And what should I do about it? Mm -hmm. So with behavior, being communicative. I think that that's a super helpful framework to look at behavior because it helps you deal with it most effectively. So the most common like drivers for behavior are attention and or connection. So looking to connect, looking for attention, power, looking for power or to make impact, to feel competent. Uh, So a child who throws something across the room and it makes a big sound felt impactful or felt powerful. Revenge is another uh, driver for behavior. He wants to play with her and she doesn't want to play. She wants to do something else and he's frustrated at her for that or whatever. Or she got something really great with you in time earlier and he's frustrated. So he doesn't know how to communicate that. He does it with his behavior. When we understand where it's coming from, we can come down on Luca's level and say, you know, it looks like you're trying to get your sister's attention. So that's that acknowledgement of where he is emotionally. And then stating the limit, which is it looks like she's busy or it looks like she's not available right now. And then redirecting him into positive action. So like, would you like to help cut the you know, potatoes with me or, or whatever, or, you know, it's always, it's nice if you can be proactive and have kind of like a busy box or treasure box that you pull out when you know that your child's attention needs to be redirected. 
or setting it up from the beginning. Like, Luca, I'm going to put a show on for Livia. Let's make a plan for you before I start cooking. So you're kind of setting it up from success from the beginning. Yeah, I like that. That's so smart. And I think sometimes we think making those things require so much effort, but your examples were so easy. Like I can get a shoebox yeah. and fill it with stickers. Right. Exactly. And, you know, like little cars and just make it feel novel and easy. So that's fantastic. The last thing we wanted to ask you about, I know that you co-authored Twigtails and Twigtail books, and those have been so helpful for our family. So can you just tell everyone what Twigtails is and mm-hmm. how that can help with sibling dynamics? Absolutely. Twigtail came about, a couple of entrepreneurs approached me who were baby group parents with this idea of that I had always talked about, which was making stories for kids and how that helps them transition better, smooth out those transitions. Because when you, children, like they think in terms of story and they love seeing themselves in a story. So when we speak in the story about what has changed, you're going to have a new sibling and mommy's going to be in the hospital and then move to what's going to stay the same, which is we're all going to be a family. We're all going to be together. We're still going to have this kind of time and that kind of time. That really helps a child to adjust. And there are many, I mean, I personally wrote about 17 titles, I think, but there are a few other authors on the website that have written some other books, but mine are more specific to transitions that children go through, such as, you know, the transition to a toddler bed, saying goodbye to the pacifier. You know, mommy is in the hospital. Grandma, you know, has died. Our pet has died. When we make a story that reflects what the change is and then end it with some form of reassurance about how we get to hold on to our memories or the love is still going to be there, that really helps a child to adjust and smooth out that transition or challenging event. You know, what I love about those books is that we totally could make them on our own. You know, you could pull out glue and pictures, but language matters. And so I like leaving the language to you or an expert so that the language is in there. I put our little names in there and then add the pictures. And so then it just makes it so easy. That was actually, you helped us make that book when I was diagnosed. And that is how we talked to Bryce about it. And it was fantastic because they learned so much in stories. Well, exactly. I mean, if I could tell you the the question that I get asked the most over the last 22 years is, it's what should I say? (laughs) Um, And so, you know, having those narrations already ready for you and you can customize them so you can kind of alter them to fit your own personal family situation is really, really helpful. So genius. It is absolutely genius. I feel like I right after this podcast, I want to go and order a bunch more. Yeah. <laughs> They're great. Concept. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Well, our last question of the day, we ask all of our guests, um, we want to know what made you feel full this week? My daughter, I've been actually kind of under the weather this week and my daughter is home and she's 19, who has been bringing things to me at my bedside while I've been getting well. And it's just... Like been so heartwarming to see how thoughtful she is around my well-being. And kids can be so egocentric so often. And Mm -hmm. so to see that when the moment is there, she rose to that occasion and has really been so kind. For our listeners, can you just share where, where they can find you? 
yes. Well, I am in uh, West Los Angeles in Culver City. I have a private practice in Westwood and Santa Monica. And currently I've been doing mostly virtual sessions since COVID. So you can find me on my website, allisonlatona.com. And I'm also on Instagram. Well, thank All you, right. Allison, okay. for being here. You are Thank so you so awesome. much for having me. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you found something meaningful from this episode. Please follow the show, rate, and don't hesitate to write a little review. We also have a voicemail box you can call to ask us any questions, tell us the topics you'd like covered, or just share where you're struggling and how you could use some extra support. Call 833-444-FULL or 833-444-3855. We want to hear from you. And tune in every Monday for a new episode of Meaningful Living. And if you're looking for more ways to live a meaningful life, follow us on Instagram at Meaningful Living and visit our website, MeaningfulLiving.com. And don't forget with two L's. Can't wait to see you next week.